This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little cans of Ready Whip. It's me, Allison. Guess what? I have big news. But first, I think we should do iTunes Comment of the Week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. All right. The iTunes Comment of the Week this week comes from The Continual, and it's titled Pleasing to Ear Holes. I am eyes and a brain riding a body, and Allison's podcast is the best thing I steered my meat vehicle to. She is she really makes my ear holes tickle my thingy doodle. Thanks for all the laughs, Allison. Thank you. I'm a little torn about how I feel about all the florid language, and now I'm wondering if florid is even a word. But I like your use of thinky doodle. Basically, I just enjoy the word doodle. I also enjoy the word noodle. Uh, when Dustin, remember, you guys know Dustin, he used to be on my show all the time, and he would be back if his schedule wasn't so uh, unrelenting. Anyway, um, when he and I were at Time Out New York, we used to joke about making our own line of designer dogs, which was, well, Time Out New York was, uh, you know, abbreviated Tony, and we were were referring to them as Tony Doodles, and then we would come up with all these different things that we'd add the word doodle to. That was uh, a long roundabout way of saying I enjoyed your comment and I think that this might be a Duncan Trussell listener I love Duncan Trussell and I love his listeners um, because they speak in this manner and Duncan refers to his body or refers to like the state of existing on this earth as being in your meat body that's what I think's going on so anyway um, my news and I have to even back up a second and say sometimes when someone's like I have big news and they act like you're going to be all excited It makes you think that they're going to have news that affects you as well. Like, I have big news. This entire podcast and uh, listenership has either won something or is going to Hawaii. That's kind of an Oprah move. We are? No, sorry. I know. That was just an example. No, my news is um, I'm engaged. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. And, you guys, you're the first people I'm telling, aside from my family, they know... And Gary knows. But other than that, no one else knows. And I've been debating how to even – like Daniel changed his Facebook status. Um, and But I haven't changed my status yet because I just feel like well, I don't want Facebook – I don't know. I don't want Facebook to be the way. And then like I didn't Instagram any photos or tweet anything about it because that feels weird too. And I also haven't said it yet on the Adam Carolla show. So Allison Rosen is your new best friend, listeners. I wanted to share it with you guys first. I've really been wanting to tweet about it too, but I know you you sent me an email that indicated that not a lot of people knew, so yeah. I've been holding off. Oh, thank but, you. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Thank you That's so excellent. much. I'm thank very, you. Very, very happy for you. So it's kind of funny the way it all happened. Um, Daniel and I had reservations at Club 33, which is the secret special exclusive club at Disneyland that I've been talking about wanting to go to, and turns out that Gary, this Gary right here, has hookups yeah and he hooked daniel and me up so for a long time now this has been on the calendar so the plan was we were going to drive down to orange and my sister and her husband are in town and the plan was we were going to drive down to orange county with our puppy um, have a little training session with my mom's dog's trainer and then they were going to watch the puppy because they're all excited to spend time with the puppy they were going to watch the puppy while we went to disneyland it's a super cool plan we had. So, and Daniel said to me, um, "What are you doing next Friday? Like a week from, meaning a week a week after the that plan?" And I said, "I don't know." And he said, "Hold it open." And then I was like, um, uh, 
okay, I'm holding it open, but what's going on? He's like, I don't know. I just might want to take you out for a romantic dinner. Throwing me off the trail. So I figured that's when something was going to happen. Um, so anyway, we are driving down to Orange County. Puppy in the crate, uh, in the back seat, and I get this text from my mom asking me if I can run an errand in Corona Del Mar, like pretty close to where the water is, which I didn't realize that was important at this point. Um, And I'm like, yes, I could, but honestly, I'm worried that Oliver is going to wake up and then he's going to need to pee. And then I texted my sister to find out if she could run this errand. I was just kind of irritated with my mom, like, why, why does this have to happen now? And I mentioned it to Daniel thinking he would also say, yeah, let's not take the time to do this because of the puppy. And he's like, no, I think it'll be fine. I'm like, fine. Everyone assured me that it wouldn't take very long. What it was was, can I pick up a pound of candy at C's because my mom wanted to give a gift to the trainer um, who, like, didn't accept extra money for something or other, blah, 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 blah. And my mom felt really bad that she'd forgotten and felt like she had to give this gift to her and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, everyone's like, it won't take long. I'm like, fine. It did not not take long. The people who go into C's... And, hey, I'm a fan, but the people who go in, they take a long time and they have a lot of questions about mocha truffles and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a, it's Joanne's fabric, but for sweets. Yeah, no, I've been to that particular seas that you're talking to. Fuck that place. Because everyone knows everyone there. Yeah. So it's a, like, and what do you want for your treat today? And blah, blah, blah. And da, da, da. Oh. How are your grandkids doing? It's, yes. Oh, it's fucking annoying. It's I'm really you. homey and homespun which means it's going to take a long time. So at this point, I needed to pee. So I get in the car and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this, I'm like, that wasn't fast. And then Daniel says, would you mind if we just go down to the, um, if we just take a picture of ourselves by the ocean because my mom is asking for one. And I was like, we can't do that on the way to Disneyland. And he's like, I forget what he said, but in my head, I'm just, I was thinking, <sighs> such an asshole. I was like, Ugh, is this like, I don't, what, why do we have to do this? And why do we have to do this now? And I really have to pee and I don't understand. And something I was like, maybe she wants it because she's an artist. I was like, maybe she wants a picture of us to paint because somehow it'll have something to do with the potential engagement or whatever. And so we're driving and I'm like grousing. And I actually, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, this is one of those things where you should just express how you feel about it and just say to him, I get that you want to take this photo for some reason and it has to happen now, but it would be really, it's really important to me that we don't do it now because I really need to pee and blah, 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 and I'm worried about Oliver. So anyway, for some reason I didn't say that though, but the, he, he pulls up at this really picturesque spot, but the only parking is in the red zone and he's like, I could probably just like pull in here and put on my hazards for a second, right? And I'm like... I don't think so. So then we pull somewhere else and we see and like we're going to have to parallel park. And now I'm really not having any of this. So we get out and I like I leave my purse in the car and the puppy and we get out and he wants to go to the sidewalk, um, which is not that much further than where we are. But I just stop on this like mound of grass and I'm like, I don't want to go that far because of the puppy and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Such an ass. And then and I'm, like, waiting for him to, you know, I'm, like, I don't know what he's going to do. Like, take the f- picture of us himself with his hand. I'm, like, waiting to pose. And then all of a sudden he just starts saying all the proposal stuff. And at that point, I mean, very fast I realized, oh, my God. I think I actually said, oh, my God. And I realized what was happening. And I told myself, be in the moment right now as much as I had to pee. Um, and then here's <laughs> – then – I see him, like, fumbling around in his coat pocket. At this point, I think we both had tears in our eyes. And he's, like, fumbling around in his coat pocket. And I'm thinking, 
we had talked like but but we he knows that um well the, the thoughts that went through my head real fast were we've talked about how we're going to choose the ring together oh but maybe there's a ring he's fumbling around his coat pocket he gets on one knee and everything and then he what what he hands me is this little porcelain duck which in the moment totally made sense. He had given me a while ago. He gave me this little du- plastic duck that opens up in its lip gloss. So this looked like that. It was just bigger. And I was like, oh, it's this bigger lip gloss, which, like I said, in the moment made sense. So I just he actually had to close my hand around it because I was so like, what is going on? Um, and then, you know, stood up and, and we were hugging. And then he said, do you want to see the ring? And that's when I realized, oh, there is something inside this porcelain duck. He's not just proposing with a duck. Um, and it was a ring. It's a very, uh, very pretty silver ring that's just the temporary ring till we go out and choose the ring. So anyway, and then we get in the car. This point, really needed to pee. And then I was like, wait a minute. Did I really have to get the candy? And he said no. And and that whole thing was just a ruse to get me near that spot where we wanted to propose, which is somewhere that we had gone on our first date. Um, and then we got to my parents' house and they they were all very congratulatory and my sister and her husband were there like I said and they had a cake that said congratulations Allison and Daniel and it was all very sweet um and I in I was someone in the past who would have thought like I always figured that a surprise party would be the kind of thing that would make me feel um something other than happy and grateful I think I I always figured I'd feel like I can't believe people misled me or I don't know what I thought but somehow knowing that Everyone was involved in um, lying to me. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not, but I am. Am I? I don't know. Somehow knowing that everyone was involved in it, it actually just made me, I thought it was really nice. And it was it was very sweet. And I was actually very surprised that my family was able to pull this off. I had seen my sister the day before, and she already knew at this point, or two days, yeah, the day before. She, I forget, It's not important. She already knew. I was, I was just surprised that they all had uh, held it in. Um, and then, so then we had the puppy, tra- we called the trainer because she wasn't sure. She she was even involved in it, actually. She was telling my mom what to to text me. And I was like, I knew it didn't sound like you. Um, and anyway, then that night we went to Club 33 and um, told them it was our engagement. And like they wrote happy engagement on a plate. Uh, and it was just, it was really sweet. So thank you, Gary, for oh yeah, absolutely giving yeah. us this built-in celebration. That's yeah, I'm so glad that that worked out. That's great. Thank you. I'm, that's excellent. I knew you guys were gonna have fun as it was, but I'm sure this just exacerbated it, and made it even better. So yeah, I'm glad you guys could do it. It was no no big deal for me, so I was yeah. happy to be a part of it. It was fun. It it was uh, it was neat. And um, uh, yeah, he said that he. I don't know why initially he had been thinking the following weekend, although when he told me to keep that day open, he are, that was just to throw me off the track. Um, but he said that he realized that it was just this perfect day where like everything was kind of built in because there was already a, place, a special place that we were going that night and we would be able to – it would make a nice memory. And then also my, you know, we were going to be seeing my family and just everything lined up for it to be perfect except for well he didn't say this but I'm thinking except it actually took me a while to get past the fact that like I can't believe I was such an asshole I can't believe I was resisting this every step of the way but that's what happens when you surprise someone <laughs> it is I mean maybe I don't know it's what happened this time yeah Have, has anyone ever surprised you with a um a proposal or a party um 
I yeah, I got I got caught on a party once. Did you, what did you think of it? Um the people who did it knew me extremely well and did a good job of catering it in such a way that even though I wasn't necessarily pleased with the fact that I had been lied to, mm-hmm. by the time I realized that I had been lied to, I was like inundated with things I liked. Yeah. So it didn't matter. Like I couldn't get pissed. Right. What, um, what kind of lies were it that was it? Oh, I don't know. It was just there. They they had brought my parents into it, which I didn't like. They had brought like you know friends that weren't really close friends into it to make sure that I had no fucking idea. And it's just I don't know. It was just a, a twisted web of of bullshit to get me from <laughs> yeah. one get me out of the house, let them set up, and I was you know running stupid errands that they knew I'd say yes to because right. I'm just too agreeable and just just all kinds of shit that and and I think that. I do think that the person who did it built in some stuff that would piss me off so that I came back kind of frustrated and then yes. was thrown into the uh, the happiness. I think that's the thing. I think that if there's this twist where at one point you're like, why did everyone forget me or why did – I mean I don't know if that's what it was for you. But like something where there's something unpleasant, then I could see – because I'm still trying to grapple with my sense that a, a surprise party can be an unpleasant experience. Um and yeah, maybe it's if you feel if if the person like totally freaked you out or bummed you out ahead of time. I don't know. This was just this just inconvenienced me. Yeah, and this wasn't this also wasn't a you know you, it wasn't like you were thrown into a group of people with potentially people you don't like. Right. Because that that played into mine. There were people there I didn't I wasn't wild about, but yeah. there were so many great things that I I wasn't able to care. Right. Where was the party? It was at my house, actually. Mm. Yes. See, and and I would be thinking this. You wouldn't, but I would be thinking. But I didn't even have a chance to put on makeup. That that's no. Why. I thought that. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, maybe you would then. Yeah. All right. My eyeshadow I, was. Ugh. Tell me about it, girlfriend. It was a mess. I can only imagine. I sort of feel like. I feel like maybe no fan phone call on this one. No, this one's about you. Fan phone call to Daniel. They're no, all kidding. about me. Well, yes. One but... of these days, Daniel will appear yeah. on the podcast. I don't want to, ironically, don't want to surprise him. Oh, by <laughs> the way. The fans this... will love Daniel. Yeah. He's a mensch. Great guy. Thank you. Yeah. I actually just, I was going to mention a tweet I received, but I realized, i got to write this down. i got to save that one for Hey, Go Fuck Yourself. Um, hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Because it's just too good. Um, but, yeah, he uh, he's not – I think I've said this before. He's not a like, hey, everyone, let me tell you everything about me and put it all out there kind of person, which I think is good even though in the past people used to say to me that I needed to find someone who was into vlogging and making videos and all that stuff just like I was. But I think that then you'd have like two assholes as opposed to a healthy, normal person and me delightfully um odd i wouldn't i wouldn't describe you as an asshole but oh yeah i wouldn't either i think you definitely need that balance you need Mm -hmm. somebody who i don't think you can put two people that are exactly like alike in a relationship and have a last i agree oh you know what will make you happy i'm pausing now because i'm thinking about whether i'm comfortable with that segue yeah i am um getting the uh special bonus episode of my show from the la pod 
Podcast Festival. It's only $1.99, and it is in the comedy album section of the iTunes store, and the guests were Greg Proops and Doug Benson. And someone tweeted me and said, you you asked me to buy it 26 times, and I finally did, and it's the best $1.99 ever. And I thought, I, I just retweeted that, and then I thought, I just retweeted something that makes me look kind of desperate. But I'm okay with that, because 26 times to make someone... Um, enjoy that episode, I feel like that's it's a, a fairly shitty ratio, actually. But let's work on making that better, okay? Gary, did you have something to say? Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was desperate at all. I thought that was a very sweet tweet. <laughs> Look, you have that face like, oh, I just rhymed. Yeah, God. No, it was a sweet tweet. Ooh, sweet tweet. That's like the opposite of, hey, go fuck yourself. It was a sweet tweet. It just made me think, yeah, I've probably said this 26 times. Yeah, well, 27. Go, guys, go buy the uh, LA Podfest episode. It's really great. Drunk uh, drunk Doug Benson and Greg Proops. That's right. And a falling uh, logo off the wall. Gonna have to go look at that. Gonna have to go buy that to figure out what I'm talking about. That's right. Ooh, what a great tease! Um, All right, you guys. Here is part two of my interview with Jim Jeffries. I think that you will love it. I've been getting a really good response from part one. So, and and people are saying that they can't wait till part two. Well, the wait is over. Here it is. I love you. I'll tell you the one funny thing about it was I rang my mother up and I said, Mom, I said some horrible things to her in this fight. I didn't mean any of it. And now she's dead. And, and, and my mother went, uh, you know, in life you say things you don't mean and you regret them. And, and, and that's just life. You have to move past it. And, and she was sort of making me feel better. And she goes, I'm just so happy. I've never said anything to you kids or your, or your father that I regret. And I'm like... <laughs> What the fuck are you doing to the general public? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? These are the acceptable things. Yeah, you <laughs> said to me six months ago, I want you to know that when I'm dead, in many ways, you've been a huge disappointment to oh me. Oh, my God. That's what she said during the fight. <laughs> I said, you have nothing that you regret saying to me ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Um, how, how did you get into comedy? Um, I was... I wanted to be a comedian since I was a little kid. I always admired stand-up comedians when I saw them on TV. That was always the best bit for me is if you were watching a Tonight Show. Uh, my other friends would look forward to the band that was going to be on, mm-hmm. but I always look forward to the comedian. And I, uh, my brother could be a comedian if he wanted to be. The cop or the property The developer. property guy. He's mm-hmm. a really funny guy. And so me and him used to... As little kids do sketches and fake radio shows and all sorts of shit, you know. And I went and did an open spot when I was 17 in the Sydney Comedy Store and it went really well. And they told me if I had to come back again, I had to bring my father or an adult with me if I was to come back in. Because you were only 17? Because I was under underage by a year to mm-hmm. be in the bar. So I brought my dad next time and it was... Terrible storm in Sydney, and uh, there were six people in the audience, and I tanked, and one of those six people was my dad, and three of the other people were telling me to go back to school or whatever, and all the other comics were like adults, you know, (laughs) and I walked off, and I got back in the car with my dad, and it was raining, and he just said, this isn't for you, mate. He goes, I know you want to do this, but you're not really, because my parents don't, I don't remember my parents laughing at me. Mm. (laughs) What does your dad do? My father's a carpenter. Mm. And uh, so he said, oh, this isn't for you, mate. And I sort of just forgot about it, you know. And then uh, I I was 20, it was the year 2000, 
um, January of 2000, and I was 22 or something, 20, 22, 21, 22. And I, I, I went and um, I was at university studying um, musical theater and opera. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same course that Hugh Jackman did. Uh-huh. Same and look at him now. In exactly, he's the most famous one to come out of our course. But it was a, it was a scholarship thing where I had to go sing and do an audition, and um, so I was doing jazz hands and tap and singing and stuff. And every time we did a production at university, I'd get the the funny role. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking my confidence was up again. That every time I went on, people would laugh. Even if they gave me a serious role, people would laugh. And I thought, all right, I'm funny. And so I started doing open mics in Western Australia where I was at university and they had one club that uh, was every second Wednesday above this pub and I went in there and lied and said that I was a professional comic in Perth so I could jump the queue. Mm-hmm. And I, I went on and I look, this is going to sound really arrogant, but I would say within the course of six months I was one of the best comics in Perth because it was a small you arrogant bastard it was a small pond mm-hmm. you know I wasn't and, it, and you're really funny but I think that's a great way to do it if I you know being among people because no one was full time mm-hmm. no one could be full time there wasn't the gigs you could sometimes drive out to the mining towns in Western Australia Kalgoorlie and all that and this six hour drive and play to a whole lot of guys that had been down a hole for six months and it, it was very easy just to get good. I was pretty hacky. I was doing a lot of old jokes and stuff like that. But then I went to I went to Sydney and did it for about a, six months, and I moved to the UK. And then the, I was a full time comic as soon as I got to the UK because there's a lot. Did of you work. move there? Did you move there to continue because of comedy? I, that was my secret plan. But what I told my parents was I just wanted to travel, but uh-huh. I, I intended on not coming back. Did you finish the opera? No, and, no. no. Were no. you good at singing and tap dancing? I, I, and all that? I sang for the Australian Opera in two productions. Wow! Yeah, what was, were they? Uh, the Flying Dutchman, which is Wagner. Uh-huh. I was only in the chorus for one song. But still, and I was uh, for the West Australian Opera. I was in uh, Romeo and Juliet by Charles Gounod, the French. Do you person. like? opera like do you listen to it? i was my, just talking about this with someone uh with my boyfriend actually both of us were saying that we we want to like opera but it's like it doesn't i uh, you know you know you get the big work. the big famous songs pacini and For all that type of stuff they are mm-hmm. beautiful like my my best friend in the whole world is is a is an opera singer in australia who mm-hmm. i lived with at university and he's um he's like a lead in the australian opera it's very weird now to yeah. see how our two lives have gone diverged separate. right um but uh no i i wouldn't have been happy there but also i'm looking at his life it it's not a lot of money in it really you know even he's at the top of his field like he's in he's a lead in each production but it's really just an eighty thousand dollar a year gig you mm-hmm. know and and, and that's you know, that's it. The top, the chorus wasn't earning fuck all. You know, it's all yeah. government funded. And, um, right, I, it's kind of like this preserved art form. Well, this is one of the things. When I first started doing it, so I had the name Jeffrey Nugent, and I thought to myself, Godfrey Nugent? Yeah, I thought Jeffrey Nugent can be the opera singer, and Jim Jeffries can be the comedian, and we'll see which career takes off. Oh, wow. Faster. You splintered. Yeah, because I thought, it, I, I'm never going to do both. Mm-hmm. And then I got nodules on my vocal cords. Um, in the last year of university, I couldn't sing anymore. I just was just couldn't sing. I just sang too much and mm-hmm. partied too hard. And I had uh, callus. You can still hear now in my voice, but I had calluses on my vocal cords, and so I had surgery to remove them. And they, 
they basically said I couldn't talk for a few months. Was yeah. that that must have been hard? Yeah, I was just sitting at home and I I I plotted. I just went, all right, this is it. I'm gonna really commit to stand up comedy. And even if my voice repairs, I'm not going to do that job anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I left university in my final year. I was about six months off finishing. And uh, off I went. Is and that one of the reasons that you would be a disappointment to your mom? My Look, to, uh, I came from a very working class family. The singing thing happened purely out of luck. I was in a high school musical and I got spotted by a talent scout who said, come and audition for this thing. And then they put me in a young singers program, and I didn't know I could sing. And I, um, I was a tenor, and I was six foot tall, and that's very rare. So that's what what the appeal of me was. Because if you watch operas, it's always some great big fat woman and a little tiny guy. Because <laughs> the shorter you are, the higher your vocal cords. Because your vocal cords are shorter. So uh-huh. for me to have a high voice back then, and to be six foot tall was good, marketable mm. for that type of thing. Mm. And so my my mother, who was a high school teacher, my father was a carpenter who ended up being a maintenance man at a high school, you know, because his business went bust. And it, it, it uh, my mother, who who has aspirations of being more high class than she is, um, she very much enjoyed the opera singing. It was something that she really got on yeah. board with. And then to go from being an opera singer to a comedian, and not just a comedian, one of the dirtiest comics in the world it uh that was a hard pill for her to swallow from singing you know wagner to saying cunt all the time (laughs) well that i that i feel you on that one yeah um do you do you does it bother you that she has a problem with no because because now it's um now it's okay you know i got a house in the hollywood hills you know that's uh that wouldn't have happened singing songs Mm mm-hmm so you went to England uh, to secretly pursue comedy. Yeah. And then when did you decide to move here? Um, that happened I, – I was doing Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival and I met my manager. She was drunk in a bar and she doesn't drink anymore so I don't know if she would be happy me telling this but she was drunk in a bar and I met her and she goes, oh, people have been telling me to come and see your show. And I, and I said, we well, should see it. She goes, I'm leaving tomorrow. And she goes, I think you're very charming. And I went, thank you. And she goes, I think I'll manage you. Are you up for that? So I went, all right. So my manager is the same manager I've got now. But were at all, were you skeptical of this drunk I, woman in a bar? But I was of the opinion, I had no representation in America. Yeah. I had no thoughts of moving to America. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, fucking try your luck. Yeah. If, if you want to book me in for some gigs, I'll come over for a couple of weeks. Who gives a shit, right? Mm-hmm. And so... So she, without ever seeing me, she booked me and I came over here and I did, uh, I did 20 minutes at the Laugh Factory, which they stared at me. The accent, the swearing, whatever it was, they just didn't get what was going on. I th- and this was the first time she saw me. And I was like, oh, fuck this. And then she got me, uh, I supported Dennis Leary in a big theater for five minutes and I did good. And then like... CIA just went, hey, we want to represent you. And I was like, all right. I didn't know who CIA was mm-hmm. at the time. I had no idea. But I once again, I thought, well, I don't have an agent. Yeah. I didn't even know what an agent was. I thought a manager was an agent. And I didn't know the difference. And so I went, okay. And then, you know, I, I got the HBO special like six months later. So it all, 
it all worked out. You know, it was it was a bit daunting because I was I was quite a popular comedian in the UK, and it took it took me eight years to get to that stage where where I was doing my own gigs in theatres and stuff like that. And then to think, ah, oh, fuck, I got to start that again. Is you that know? how you felt when you got here? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And but the the thing was. I'd gone as far as I could go in the UK. They were never going to put me on TV. Why? Well, in the UK is very house proud. They they want to have British people running the show. They want to have the BBC doesn't want to give money to an Australian guy from the colonies to host a TV show. I can get a spot on a TV show, but I'd never this I'd never be an actor in one or I'd never be a game show. You know, none of those things would happen. It hadn't happened for any other foreign acts either. Mm-hmm. You know, I was working out there with a lot of guys like Reese Darby who went on to be Murray in Fly the Concords and the Fly the Concords. We were all rocking out in the UK and couldn't get on TV, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was a big inspiration to me when I saw the Con- Concords show on HBO, I thought, all right, that's cool, you know. And then Chris Lilly had his show, um, Summer Heights High. And I remember thinking with all the foreign chefs, all your Gordon Ramsay's and whatnot, <laughs> right. and then your Simon Cowles, and I started thinking accents aren't a hindrance in America. Cat mm-hmm. Dealey. Yeah. Cat Dealey was a two. But in, and then they actually help in America. In America, they help. In Britain, it's it was a thing, a, a mark against me. Mm. And uh, and so I thought, well, you know, I might give America a go. And plus, it's it's just nicer out here to live. You know, someone gives you a visa to, to work for a bit, and you think, fucking hell, it's nice to be in the sun again. Especially growing up in Australia and then living in London for so long. I was yeah. like, I was like, fuck, the sun's all right, eh? You know? <laughs> I didn't realize it wasn't sunny. Wait, what, is Australia sunny or no? Australia's really sunny. Okay, right. So all of a sudden you were without the sun. I was without the sun yeah. for 10 years, you know, and then and then to come to California, which is basically, California is the same weather as Sydney. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is how cold our winters get and this is how hot it gets, you know, and it seems the same. I mean, it's all the gum trees everywhere. So what was the thing that made you decide, okay, now it's time to come here? Um, it, the HBO special. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I, I honestly thought that I maybe bigger things would happen from that. I thought, well, you know, the year I did, it was like Ricky Gervais, George Carling, me and fucking, um, Will Farrell. And I thought, oh, this will be a big thing, you know? And then it just, I, I just sold a lot more tickets and got a sort of a bit of a cult following. And, you know, people like Adam were nice enough to have me on his show, but it, it was, uh, to this day, I sort of feel a little bit out of the the loop. It's 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 harder for me. I don't have a clique of friends out here in the same way that all the other comics do. I, all my comedian friends are in the UK because it feels to me that your group of friends in comedy, you have a graduating class like you would anything else. So mm-hmm. you have you the guys that I started on the open mic circuit. They were my buddies. And then as we all went up and we, then, you know, we all started partying together and all that type of stuff. We were all the same age. And now, you know, everyone's dead nice to me and stuff, but it's it, – I only work with guys who are getting 100 bucks to be my support act who mm-hmm. are just starting out themselves. Mm-hmm. So it is a different vibe in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, is there – do you uh, – I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question. Do you feel a, like, culture shock or culture clash being here? Do you feel different? Um, I, I feel like the gun thing I find phenomenal. You know, I, I can't fathom 
the, the, the want for guns because I've lived in countries without guns mm-hmm. and it is better and I've seen it firsthand, it's better. And people seem to have this theory that there might be a tyrannical government they have to overthrow mm-hmm. or, a, a, you know, I, I, you know, with the guns, if, that's the one that really sort of – and then Pierce Morgan has, sort of feels the same way. I mean, normally I think Pierce Morgan's a dickhead, mm-hmm. but he feels the same way that I do. And everyone's like, go home, get out. And, and I don't understand that a yeah. country of immigrants – you know, if, unless you're an American Indian, I, I, I don't want to hear go home if I don't agree with one of your opinions. I also don't want to hear that this constitution is is like the Ten Commandments. It's, <laughs> it's fucking not. There are amendments. The word means to amend. The word means to change. You also used to have the Sixth Amendment, which was slavery, and that changed. Mm-hmm. But then when the gun one seems to be – and I, I can't get over yeah. that. The religious aspect – Well, no, it's like people put – I mean I always say people put the Second Amendment ahead of the First Amendment. Yeah. It's like let, it, let Piers Morgan say what he wants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this whole, I, I've been saying on stage lately, I don't give a fuck if you have the guns. Just don't lie to me. Just don't go, I have them for protection. They're no protection. Right. It's no protection. It's not. If you're asleep in your house, I had a break in with a machete. If you're asleep in your fucking house, a gun is no protection. Yeah. If you're one of these people who say, I keep it locked up in a safe, once again, no protection. Mm-hmm. It's locked up in a fucking safe, right? So I don't quite know. Well, plus, I mean, ugh. plus, if someone the breaks Adam Lanza it, thing, his mother had six guns in the house. She was the first one he killed. Exactly, exactly, and, and the semi-automatic rifles, and it's just—it seems like man, because we had guns in Australia, we had them, mm-hmm. and then we got rid of them in 1994. And I, I can't. I, it was 1986 to 1994. We had 14 or 16 massacres. We banned the guns in 1994. We haven't had a massacre since. But the difference was when they did it in Australia. The Australian public were asking for it. They said, "Get rid of these guns." Right, mm-hmm. where the American public aren't asking for. I, you know, I thought maybe they would. I thought that the this uh, Newtown shooting would be a watershed moment, and I do think there were some people on the fence who are now yeah. in favor of gun control. But you hear the statistics about like the sale of guns is up so much since then that yeah, it's I don't sickening. know. It's weird because I'm I'm like you, like I'm mm. I'm I'm not pro gun, and yet I just think that. There's something so – it's like in American Americans' blood. And I don't understand it, it is, but it's but like that, the fabric of us is you will not take our guns. That, the the culture – that's what I'm saying. Cultural shock is to uh, – I meet people who I think are rational people and they'll still say to me, don't take my gun. And I, I just – I think it's something that's been indoctrinated into the, your culture yeah. so much. And it's just – when you meet people who are like, I can't believe the police don't have guns in the UK. Well, they don't need them because the criminals don't have guns. Right. Right. You and, said you- and they have guns. They can get guns. If there's some big thing happening, they can. a SWAT team will still show up. They have mm-hmm. all that. But the cops shouldn't be, you know, thinking a gun's going to be pulled. They just, they just need well, a- I mean, and the irony being right now as we're recording this, the whole Dorner thing where yeah. this ex-cop, you know, is – We is- think he shot himself, didn't we, just an hour oh, ago? Di- oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh. A gunshot was heard inside the house while it was on fire and he never came out. Yeah. Oh wow! So they're okay. they're working under the assumption that he committed suicide. But if he's a genius, he would have shot, and then they would all come in thinking he's dead, and then he's ready. But you know, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> if I now were... we know, now we there, know how it, you it, would do but it. But see, the thing is, there's people who are glorifying this guy now. I know who think he's like a folk hero. You know, it is basically the storyline of Rambo. It's the exactly the cops pissed him off. He, now he's trying yeah. to kill. You know, it's Rambo, and. Y- 
I was on Rambo's side. I know. I was like, actually, I was. I was. It, that first occurred to me today. I was thinking. I wonder if there are people who don't know who to root for because a lot of people are pretty anti-cop, and he is going after them. Well, but and they have fucked up so much in, in in trying to get him. Yeah, it's the the problem is that this guy's fired, and he said it was because he was trying to stand up against corruption racism. and racism and all that stuff. But let's be honest. This guy's a nut job. Yeah. He was probably fired because he was a nut job. Because he does job. stuff like this. Did you say someone you had a break in with a machete? Yeah. yeah. That's actually the next episode of Legit. Oh. Coming up. Yeah. It's not a stand up routine, but I've told it a lot of times on radios. Yeah. I had someone come through the window with a machete. This was in Hollywood? In Manchester, England. Oh, wow. Mm. So what'd you do? I. This is the. See, this is the beautiful thing. People go, don't you wish you had a gun? Well, what happened was they tied me up, they cut my head. Oh, they, my God. They stole my stuff. Um, no one was injured, no one was hurt, and they're now spending 12 years in prison. How yeah. badly were you cut? Oh, I got a little thing on my head here. Just a scar. It's a there. machete wound. Yeah. It's a little scar. Were you scared out of your mind? Yes, thought I was going to die, yeah. yeah. And people go, what if you had a gun? I was sleeping, so, you know, didn't, naked, didn't have my gun holster. Well, you should probably sleep in that. You should be naked except for your gun. Yeah, yeah, I should um, have my gun on me. Did you have, like, uh, trauma afterwards or um, were you afraid to sleep? I would say I had trauma for six months after that where I was a little bit more um, – a bit nervous. There was a small amount of racism creeped into me that, that mm. has since gone that I'm being honest about. Yeah. You know, because – the the taunting that I got when this happened by this man because I was white. You know, there's two of them actually that did mm-hmm. it. But there was one that was um I was broke, you know, I was just a broke guy living in a house with some other comics, but my girlfriend was there and they threatened to rape her and that Oh night. my god. It was it was It was just and it was just random yeah, we're, we're doing a very cartoon version of it on Legit. <laughs> that isn't scary. <laughs> but uh, there was a court case and uh, they thought we were drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we didn't have any drugs. We had we had a little tin of pot in the room that we gave them. Wow. Yeah. All right. So by the time people hear this, the episode may have aired. So Yeah, Thursday. So when's this coming out? Um, I'm not quite sure yet. It because uh, we have a couple in the can, but we might bump it up. Yeah, who knows? Cool. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, you might I see. think. Okay, so we are almost out of time, but I think we have time to do a quick just mirror everyone. What's this? All right, so this is where people send in – this is a segment we do on the show where people send in things that they do or they think and they wonder, is it just them or is it everyone? So we read them and then we say whether we also do these and um, and the right side of the screen is covered by the camera. That's all right. We can read this. Um, okay. Dan the Dodge says, I spend more time debating and I spent more time debating and evaluating my last phone technology purchase than either my car or house purchase. I totally relate to that. Yeah. I just tried to buy a new Sonicare toothbrush. Mm. There's like all these different models. It took I, I, I was about at the point where I'm like, I would just pay someone to make this decision for me because it's taken me two hours. I find things on my car all the time. <laughs> like I go, wow, that's cool. Because uh-huh. I never even checked into it. I just thought it looked cool. But, yeah, my phone, I have to, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Maybe not the house because the house didn't have much technology going on. 
Actually, to be fair, all those purchases would take me a while to make. I just am a very indecisive person. No, the house took me forever to buy. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, God. Are you happy it. with it? Love it. Love it, yeah. But I, I, I looked at about about 50. All right, next one. Slick shot. I'm paranoid of falling asleep with headphones in because I think if I roll over that I'll tangle the cord, choke, and die. Uh, no, but now I will be. No, I'm not worried about that. Okay. I, I very often fall asleep with like a laptop in the bed with me because I've been watching something that the cable will be running underneath me. I'm not too nervous about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, underscore. When I'm wearing a hoodie in a crowd and the hoodie is down, I worry people <laughs> might put trash in it. <laughs> Again, now I'll worry about that. No, never worried about that. Gary? No, nah, never never occurred to me. Yeah. A hoodie? Oh, that must be someone who was bullied a lot yeah. in school to think people are going to put trash in my hoodie. You're wearing a hoodie. What if there's like a box, empty box of milk dust? Is there, there? Is there trash in it now? No, there's All not. Right, good. There you go. Good. A hoodie and sunglasses are things where if I'm wearing them, I have to rep- like. If I ever pull the hood over my head, I repeatedly take it off. Just like sunglasses, for some reason, I keep having to take them off if I'm around other people. Yeah. Like I feel like I don't know. Okay, newly one love. I want to be famous just to go on Celebrity Jeopardy and win big. Oh, interesting. I have this, never, I've not had this that is, This is a weird thing about fame. I'm mildly famous, and I'd like to be slightly more famous so I can do, not because of all the admiration and people stopping in the street, but I enjoy the activities like throwing the first pitch out at a baseball mm-hmm. game and going on game shows as a celebrity. But then if you get too famous, you don't get asked to do any of that stuff. But uh, I, I threw the first pitch out at the Cubs. It was horrible. I didn't make the plate. It was bad. Do you get recognized a lot? I get recognized about twice a day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always think for everyone everyone who comes up and says something, that's probably probably 10 people who don't say anything and just yeah. point, I guess. You know? And LA, I get recognized less than everywhere else. I think it's the culture that people don't say anything in LA. Yeah. But it like I was in Atlanta in an airport and I got recognized a lot because, you know, no celebrities in Atlanta, I guess. Mm-hmm. And in in England, was it? Is it? It was. Is there mania? No, it was comparative. You know, mm-hmm. but it, it's also you know it's people lose their shit a lot more if they see you walking to your gig, and they're walking to the gig yeah. as well. Yeah. Then they'll really get excited yeah. because it's all part and parcel. Jonathan Vance, I love that little roadmap they put in the box of chocolates that lets you know which one is which. Oh, yeah, the legend. Yeah, who doesn't love that? I love that. I do, yeah. That's always hated Forrest Gump. Life's, like, like a lot, life's a lot like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Every box of chocolate's open. I know exactly <laughs> I know exactly what I'm fucking getting. The yeah. strawberry creams are these yeah. ones. These ones are the, you know, I know which ones are which. You're right. Dick in the city. Driving through a long tunnel makes me feel like I am futuristically racing. I have occasionally felt that, yes. Sometimes I also feel that if I'm going up an escalator, like in a subway station, where the ceiling is kind of slanted, like yeah. parallel, runs parallel with the escalator. It just Go to Tokyo. feels like the future all day. Nightmare vision of the future. Yeah, I've never future. been there. I, I don't know if I would want that. Um, that made me sound really provincial. Okay, so Jim, can you read the ones on the right I side? I can, I can. This is from uh, Boing Kitty Boink. I don't know if I said that right. You did, you did. When someone says, another one bites the dust, I auto- automatically get the Queen song in my head. Of course. Yes, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, next one. Uh, Taylor Loyal. Uh, when I see someone on the highway driving a U-Haul, I get a little jealous. 
No, I've never ever felt that. No, I find it's the, the U-Haul is depressing. It's a lot of work. The I've ne- yeah, I've never driven one. There's been times where I've thought maybe I'll just. Oh hell no! Oh no, it sucks. When I see when I see people driving them, I get nervous because I'm a good driver, and in a U-Haul, I've definitely had some close calls. And U-Haul navigate. U-Haul always means like maybe it, if you're moving towns, and this is all this shit you've got. Yeah. It's it's a bit depressing. Now, why are they so hard to manage? Just because they're they're so big just, and heavy. They're just big, and the weight distribution's weird. It's yeah. I, I would imagine it's an acquired skill, and you could get good at it. But I've always been uncomfortable. You know what else is hard to drive, but not in the same way? A really old station wagon. It's like driving a boat. Hmm. Yes. All right. All right last one. one. Uh, Sir Pentor. In social gatherings. I go to the bathroom it, even when I don't need to go, just to be alone for 90 seconds. I've done that. I've done that. Although I, I convince myself that I sort of need to go, but it's sort of like just to break just to break up the... Yeah, I sometimes go to the bathroom to leave the group. Yeah. Yeah, to go, oh, i got to go to the bathroom. And then I just go and have a, just drain whatever urine I have in me. Do you take your phone? I take my phone. Do you ever have like phone time and like you need to get away and check Twitter? If you play Word or Scramble with friends with me, know that every word is done during a shit. Gary, I know that you you use your phone on the toilet. Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? You know what we're going to need to talk about? Not now, but Temple Run 2. Oh, yeah, it's a problem. Temple Run 2, there's a new one. Oh, yeah, and it's better. Oh, wait a minute. What the fuck am I playing then? I guess we're talking about it now. There's a... What's the difference? Uh, there's more. There's just a little bit more now. There's a little. Uh, there's a little um, like mining cart. So at a certain point, you're not just running. You're in a cart that you have to tilt from oh, side to side. Oh, That's yeah. Temple Run too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying there's a new one. No, no, no. Two I was, is the new two one. Is oh, the oh, one. oh, yeah. There I'm is. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, it's cooler. I'm on bog standard Temple Run. Yeah. No, you need Temple Run too. It's better. Yeah. I got there's a more fun on stuff. Temple Run, the original. Oh one. my it took god. Me forever. Yeah, yeah. I got a real good score. But Temple Run 2 can actually make you motion sick. Like if you play it on an iPad or for me, I was riding an exercise bike while doing it and I felt sick for hours afterwards. That might have been the bike. I think it was a combination. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I had one more thing to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One more thing on the topic of apps. Sims. Now that I have a puppy, I have no time. I'm going to have to let my Sims die or I'm going to have to let the puppy die, but I can't do both. Oh, because you're taking care of the puppy? Yeah, it's just oh, all of a sudden... it's not a sudden... puppy, you have an actual puppy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because all of a sudden I actually have to make sure that something is fed and goes to the bathroom, so I don't want to do it virtually. Fair enough. I'm the same way with my baby. I was going to say, yeah, you definitely don't want to do Sims. Um, well, gosh, thank you so much for doing my podcast. Thank you. I'm sorry I was late. It is totally... I had a wonderful time. I, this is the most I've ever spoken about myself ever on a podcast. For real? Not yeah, even, I feel like even I just told my life story and I talked about fears and suicide and it was all very right. – I, I hope I was funny at times. You were. Seems. Absolutely. This was, this this was, was the really, perfect mix of everything. This is a great episode. Thank you so much for coming. No, thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. So tell people where they can find you. Uh, Jim Jeffries at Jim Jeffries on Twitter. That's Jeffries spelled J-E-F-F-E-R-I-E-S and uh, same thing on the webpage. Legit 10.30 Thursdays after Archer. Um, and I'm on tour at the moment around America. I'm playing just the big cities. I think uh, by this is the time this is out, I'm doing the Best Buy in New York, uh, so come along to that. 
All right. Thank you so much. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYMBF. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, why not click on the banner on my website? It does not cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. Okay. I love you guys, and I will talk to you later. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Digital.